Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, in verse 11, uh, Paul references the large letters he's written to the Galatians uh, with in his own hand. Uh, it's been debated as to exactly what is meant here, whether perhaps Paul wrote the whole letter to the book of Galatians, not following his usual practice of using an amanuensis or secretary. Uh, most scholars think that's... Uh, pretty much uh, rubbish that the uh, it's highly likely that he began at this point in the closing of this epistle to write in his own hand as a uh, sign to the Galatians of his uh, his own personal uh, interest in it and as a authentication of his uh, having uh, been the one who wrote the letter. So <clears throat> the likely meaning here is that Paul dictated the letter up to this point and he takes the pen in his own hand to write the ending. Why he used large letters is not known. But if the speculation about his eye problems is correct, then the use of large letters may have been because of those problems. In verse 12, he says, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. Now this, 
phrase, a good showing in the flesh, is in contrast to the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in those that believe the gospel. Faith alone, in Christ alone, is a good way to encapsulate the gospel of Christ. Now, circumcision was the mark in the flesh, literally, and was also a fleshly thing as opposed to a spiritual thing. So as many as desire to make a good show in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. They are bringing extreme pressure on the Galatian Christians. Only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. This is the reason for their pressure. They themselves were under pressure, likely from zealot-type militants in Judea, who were extremely disturbed that Jewish followers of Christ were mixing with Gentiles. Now, to give us an idea of just how disturbing that was, look at the book of Acts, chapter 22. Paul is making his defense before this crowd that thinks that he's brought Gentiles into the temple area. I'll begin reading at verse 13, uh, where he talks about <clears throat> uh, Ananias coming uh, to him and saying, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men that you have of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks. So you see, this was a, uh, a pretty uh, big issue with the Jews in Jerusalem. And you can imagine that uh, there was a large party of people that um, had professed Christ that were pretty upset that um, the Gentiles were being offered the gospel and there was mixing with the Gentiles without the Gentiles becoming Jews first. And so this is what's behind this, uh, this movement, this strong uh, uh, effort to get the Galatian Christians to Come on board and uh, be circumcised, become Jews, because this social intercourse with Gentiles is an abhorrent thing to the Jews.
I might just mention again that although it bears a lot of parallels to racism, it's not racism because uh, obviously uh, these Gentiles could become Jews and then they would be accepted. It was not on account of their race, it was on account of their uh, being considered to be pagan Gentiles and not Jews. So if they preached the cross of Christ, they would be standing for the truth that Christ bore the curse of the law for all believers on the cross. Consequently, law-keeping would no longer be necessary for salvation. And the Jewish zealots would persecute anyone who preached this. So requiring circumcision said clearly that law-keeping was required of all to be saved. And then verse 13, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So saying that the law, that law keeping was necessary and actually keeping the law were two different things. And so often that is the case, isn't it? They're not urging circumcision as a matter of principle because they believe in keeping the law, but in order that they might boast in the flesh of those Gentiles they persuade to be circumcised. In verse 14, Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'd like to read to you what F.F. Bruce says in his commentary at this point, which I thought was very interesting. The nobler object of Paul's present boasting was by all ordinary standards of his day the most ignoble of all objects, a matter of unrelieved shame, not of boasting. It is difficult after 16 centuries and more during which the cross has been a sacred symbol to realize the unspeakable horror and loathing which the very mention or thought of the cross provoked in Paul's day. The word crux was unmentionable in polite Roman society. And here he cites a passage from Cicero. Even when one was being condemned to death by crucifixion, the sentence used an archaic formula which served as a sort of euphemism, hang him on the unlucky tree, rather than use the term cross. One could have understood it if the early Christians, knowing that the crucifixion of Jesus was an undeniable fact, had admitted it reluctantly when they were compelled to do so. But Paul, Roman citizen by birth, and religious Jew by upbringing, not only dismisses as the merest refuse those things in which he had once taken a proper pride, but embraces as the most worthwhile goal in life the knowledge of the crucified Christ and boasts in his cross. A shocking paradox indeed. The utterly vile death of the cross as it is called in the Latin version of Origen's commentary on Matthew 27, 22 and following, was so central to Paul's gospel that he called his message the word of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18 Nor was he surprised that such an offensive message should be a scandal to Jews and sheer absurdity to Greeks. How could a message like that win any acceptance in the Greco-Roman world of Paul's day? that it did find acceptance was due, Paul declared, 
to its being the power and the wisdom of God. But only the demonstration of the Spirit could make this plain to believers. And you know, that's really something to think about. Because in our day, when we think about evangelism, so often we think about all sorts of ways to accommodate the message and make it more palatable to unbelievers. And here Paul and the other apostles were saddled with a message that was inherently ludicrous, despicable, horrible, unthinkable. I mean, the very fact that the center and focal point of the whole thing centered upon a crucified Savior was just unbelievable. Not in the sense of being not able to be believed, but just so abhorrent. Maybe we should uh, rethink our approach to evangelism. Maybe if we relied more upon the message and upon the Spirit of God, we would see more real conversions rather than trying to find ways to make the message fit into the expectations of a pagan culture. Well, I'm going to stop with verse 14 and leave some to some verses to finish up with next time. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for the cross of Christ. And we thank you for the willingness of the apostles to proclaim this message, even though it was so abhorrent to the world that was listening. We thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that brought many, many thousands to believe in the Christ who was crucified and who was raised again from the dead. And we pray that you'll help us to be faithful to this message in our own day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.